This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash view. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ari Clark, and today on our panel, we have Ben Hong. Hello. And the wonderful Tessa. Hi. And actually, we're going we're gonna to focus on Tessa today because she just sort of appeared on our panel, <laughs> and we thought maybe we should introduce her a little bit. Some of you probably already know her because she's amazing and wonderful and very involved in the view community. But let's start with your origin story, Tessa. How did you get into development? Let's see. Like... Five years ago, maybe, I saw this ad online somewhere for a design boot camp, but they didn't call it that. And I was like, huh, that sounds fun, but I don't have money for a design boot camp. So I just kind of forgot about it. I always wanted to study design, but I did art instead because I didn't know how you, how you go into that at a high school. And then a year later, I saw an ad for a coding boot camp. And it was like, oh, study code for three months and then make six figures. And I was like, that sounds like a scam. I should definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah, I think and, that's how everyone feels. Yeah, and and the the site that I looked at at the time, which was a pretty prominent bootcamp, it just looked like a Notepad page. So I was like, this definitely feels increasingly scammy. I did a little bit of programming, like I did some ActionScript four, and like the professor was like, oh well, I only know ActionScript three, but I'm sure four is the same, so I'll just teach myself in the class, like in Media Res. It was not the same, so I taught myself there, and then there was also some like Java processing, which was not super fun. Like we had a beta textbook with like the creative processing there because it was still like a work in progress. And one of my jobs was editing video art from students at the at the university and then writing like these little blurbs for the each video piece and uploading them to the website. And this other guy there, he programmed the website and he was obsessed with Ruby, but he was also obsessed with the site that gave you like free icons. And I never was super into the icons. And so I was like, I don't know if I would be super into Ruby. And so that was like me thinking about Ruby at that point. And then when I saw this ad, uh, I saw that this school used Ruby. So I started learning Ruby on Codecademy. And I was like, wow, I enjoy this so much more than processing, which sounds like a Scientology thing. And I got really into it, but my computer kept on crashing. And when I inspected the hard drive, it looked like the sector with Chrome on it was the part that kept on crashing. I know that theoretically that's not how hard drives are supposed to work, but it just seemed like it, it wasn't meant to be. And then around that time, I also saw ads for Full Stack Academy, but the appeal of this other school was that they had like this deferred tuition program. So I just kind of forgot about it for a while. And then a year later, I saw an ad for Hack Reactor in San Francisco, and they had some kind of scholarship for women for their program, and it was remote. And I really wanted to try something in person, but you know, it's a scholarship. So the the only problem there was that it was in JavaScript and it was, the deadline was a week away on Friday at 12 and technically at 11.59. And I didn't know JavaScript. Like I had copied and pasted JavaScript from like some site called like MonkeyScript or something like that. And I remember it all slowed down my page. I had mostly done like CSS and HTML, like in middle school and high school. So I was like, okay, time to learn JavaScript in a week. So that was super fun. and. I tried to submit the application and that was when I found out that the deadline was at 11.59 a.m. and not 11.59 p.m. So I totally missed out. 
Uh, I know, such a silly mistake. (laughs) And uh, at the time, I did not know that they were only giving away one scholarship. So maybe if I had known, I wouldn't have tried. I don't know. But I think because I was looking at that scholarship, I got these another targeted ad from Facebook, which made um, the marketing guy, admissions guy at Fullstack very happy to hear this story. (laughs) 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 Women only program with deferred tuition, Grace Hopper, that was starting the next year. So I thought, well, Fullstack had a really good reputation when I checked a year ago. And I was curious about what it would be like to have like a women's program experience. And this was probably like my last opportunity to try it out. And more importantly, it's in person, which is exactly what I wanted. But I was a bit nervous because I hadn't like had any responsibilities outside of the house like on a daily basis for a while. So I was like, I don't know how that'll go. So I applied and I had known from when I was looking at Hack Reactor and App Academy that they have this thing called teaching fellows where like students who go through the program, once they graduate, they can go through it a second time and be like a teaching assistant and do like engineering stuff at the school. So like that was my goal at the time was I want to become a teaching fellow. And so I just kind of applied to Grace Hopper with no backup plan. There was a long story there that involved getting a concussion, but I got in, I got a teaching fellowship. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> let's see if I can get a job. So it was just kind of a one, one challenge after the next because I saw a Facebook ad and I thought it was a scam. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's and an incredible I, origin story. <laughs> I ended up going to the design boot camp too. So oh, well, there we go. Catherine Heigl, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be curious to learn more about like your experience during the coding bootcamp because I know Ari, you went to one too. So I'm wondering like how this experience might have compared. Like how, how was it being in like a women's only coding bootcamp? It was interesting. I didn't really notice the women only thing so much when I was in my class. But so like before we go onto campus, there's there's a part of the program where you start out at home and you do four weeks of pre-work before you go on campus, which is a bit stressful for me because at the time my friend was getting married in St. Louis. So I was like flying out and trying to do all this coursework. Mm. And we had this online forum. It was one of those discuss forums where you could ask and answer people's questions. And I was really active on that forum. So when I started, all the people pretty much knew who I was. And I knew who they were because we had to make these intro videos of ourselves. And I watched all of them expecting everybody to know everybody's name and like remember all the facts and stuff. And I was the only one that had that expectation. (laughs) Everyone knew who I was, but they didn't know me because I hadn't done a video. (laughs) (laughs) So... They, some of them expected that I was going to be in the full stack class of the co-ed class. And some of them thought I worked at full stack. And so class started and they were all kind of like, where's Tessa? And I was also like, where are all these people that I met online? So I did visit the co-ed class a lot. And also the Grace Hopper students tended to go home as soon as school ended, especially because like another class would take over our classroom as soon as our program ended for the day. But the full stack people, therefore, was unoccupied. So they would stay because we were on two different floors. Sorry they would stay there late and, and work after class. And so I would go join them. And I, I noticed that it was, it seemed like sometimes it was harder to ask questions and have them be heard or not be cut off. Like everybody was, I think, speaking in with goodwill and good intent. But like, for example, somebody might ask a question and then immediately somebody else would be like, oh, that's just because like you didn't do X, Y, Z or, or something else like that. So I think... In that respect, what was what was different was it was a bit easier to ask questions and to feel heard in 
in the women's program. That makes sense. So like I had, mine was a co-ed class and was surprisingly almost half women. And it was actually the largest cohort in galvanized history and always will be due to weird circumstances. But at one point for group project, we had a group of all women and it was also the largest group. (laughs) So seven women on one group project. And that, that honestly really did highlight some of the differences between working with a mixed group and working with all women. So we did a retrospective at the end and we all agreed that we didn't maybe voice our concerns as strongly as we should have. You know, we tended to sugarcoat things that maybe shouldn't have been sugarcoated <laughs> because, you know, we want to be nice to each other. Like that's what we've all been taught as women is, you know, don't step on people's toes, be agreeable. And we all realized that that did not work to our advantage in that particular situation. So for me, that was enlightening. I don't know if it, I don't know if it would be different if the entire class had been all women though, because I think there would have been more of like a comfort in that environment. I don't know. I'm rambling. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say that there seemed to be a lot less chatter in, in my class than there was in the other class. And also when I became a fellow, uh, due to a series of circumstances, I was in a UK unique situation where I was following students in both the women's program and the co-ed program. And I noticed like a similar thing there. And also the students in the co-ed program seems to be a lot more direct, but their class also had like a very small number of women. Like I think they had two in a class of 40. So yeah, it was quite homogenous. But yeah, that also reminds me uh, when I decided to visit the school, um, they had like this practice test program. That's where I got the concussion. And I was touring the school and they were like, oh, there's a classroom session downstairs because they had these glass doors. And I was trying to figure out, I, me and the person who was helping me try to figure out this bug didn't know that there was like substir and substring and they were different. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back and I was walking really fast. I didn't, I don't think of myself as like a super fast walker, even though I'm in New York, but like I walked into the glass door and I got a concussion. Oh no. Oh no. And then they were like, oh, there's a class downstairs. You can go check it out. And I went downstairs and they didn't tell me that they had just moved into this floor. So there was like giant trash bags everywhere. And like all of the rooms were deserted except for a small cluster of desks, like really far away in in the back of of the area. And so I thought, wait, is this actually a scam? What's happening? And I was really... (laughs) I was super auspicious start there. (laughs) Okay. So how did you get involved with Vue? Like what was, was your first experience? using Vue? Yeah. So when I was a teaching fellow, I started getting into Meetup. I think they were prohibited when I was a student, although that rule has gone down, I'm pretty sure. That's weird. Um, they just wanted us, like, yeah, I know. They just wanted to make sure that we were like focusing on the program and not like overextending ourselves, I guess. Huh. Because we were highly encouraged to yeah, attend Yeah, I was going to say, that's the first <laughs> time I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good networking opportunity that like, had I inadvert like in a weird roundabout way without meetups I wouldn't have gotten the job I got so yeah I mean I'm sure they didn't really enforce it but they were just like you should you should just focus on school especially for like the first half of the program so when when I graduated my fellow was going to some meetups that was organized by another another guy that went here and then he went to work for Adobe as a developer evangelist and so that was kind of my start in meetups and there was this guy there who was basically known for like running a ton of meetups in in town. And he he was running the Angular meetup at the time. And he also had this this really weird ongoing meetup to contribute to an open source project. And 
it was something like Angular experts only. And then he would always put a hashtag for however many seats that he had available because he worked at Google and they have like these tight security rules about how many guests you can have at a time. So however many guests he was allowed to have in a certain space, he would put like hashtag 11 spots or hashtag eight spots. And he was like, I don't know how hashtags work, but I feel like this makes it more enticing. And I was like, So yeah, it was like Angular experts only. And when I was a student, we learned AngularJS, not Angular. And then as a fellow, we had to ramp up really quickly on React. And I hadn't really had that, gotten the hang of AngularJS. And like React was a lot more intuitive to me. And then he was like, Angular experts, like you have to have used Angular before. So I cramped a Udemy class on Angular from, I want to say it was Maximilian Schwarzmuller. And then I went there being like, I hope this is enough. We'll see. And I felt a little bit bad because of the like hashtag eight spots or whatever, but I was also... <laughs> and it turned out that he was building this class for Google I.O. to teach people how to use Angular, building an app in Angular. And then he was like, oh, you know, Vue is... There was a whole story there where like we also were, were working on a React meetup with some other people. And then he was like, Vue is, is uh, getting really, really popular on GitHub. It's getting tons of stars. It was it was imminent that it was about to be first on something. I don't remember if it was stars or something else. And so he was like, we should make a view meetup. And like, we should make a view. I think Google calls them code labs. But the thing was like, he was super into Angular. The React people were super into React. Nobody really wanted to put in the time to learn Vue. So I was like, oh, I'll do it. And then I was feeling nervous because like I'd been coding the least out of everybody. And I was the only one who was not like a professional coder at that point. I think I was, I was looking for work. And I opened the docs and I was feeling nervous because I did not think that the AngularJS docs were particularly user-friendly, at least to a newer Angular docs were less intimidating, but still intimidating. And the React docs, I'm not sure if I'm remembering incorrectly, but I feel like there was a lot of like just and simply and none of that felt just and simply, especially early on. And there wasn't like good JSX highlighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was that to-do list app, but going through that, I didn't really feel like I had a good grasp. and so. Opening the view docs, it was kind of like for the first time, if somebody had told me, which nobody did because I was the only one working in view, like just look at the docs, I wouldn't have felt like this huge mountain of apprehension that I would have to climb over to just look at the docs. Like it seemed like it was organized in a really thoughtful way and that attention was paid not just to the information and like the organization of whatever examples that they were showing, but also the word choices that they use to present the information. And so I think especially just compared to all the other docs I had been looking at around that point, like, oh my gosh, the SQLized docs. The Express docs were okay, but I think happy, I preferred happy even though we use Express at full stack because the happy docs were just nicer. Yeah, the docs, the docs really pulled me in. And then we started the view meetup and Evan came and I was super excited to meet this guy because just reading the docs, another thing that I really appreciated about them was that they talked a lot about the design decisions they made behind the framework. And so I was curious to meet this person who seemed to have such a strong proclivity towards design thinking. I'm not really sure if I'm using that buzzword word correctly. Yeah. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So basically what you're saying is you just really like being involved in communities and that's what led you to view. <laughs> and then lo and behold, we have the best community. <laughs> just, just kidding. We're great, but I'm sure there are other great ones too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really like edu- education and I feel like the Vue community has a really thoughtful approach to 
design and presentation. And so I really appreciate when things are are well made and that's what draws me to the framework and the community. That was a great origin story. So as far as projects and stuff you're involved with now, what what's on your plate? Right now I'm working on the view New York City meetup and we've been transitioning to and trying to find like a comfortable place online in terms of just like what does the meetup look like now that we're all social distancing and we're on the internet? Yeah, and I occasionally work on conference talks, although I don't have any in the works right now, which is a very freeing feeling and sometimes <laughs> a very like, should I be doing one feeling? And also a lot of times when I'm working on this stuff, I'm thinking about would this would our approach or like would the kinds of decisions that we're making or problems we're trying to solve, could those be, or would it helpful to extrapolate those to a larger community, which is an initiative that I've been working on with you, Ben, in terms of whether this is something that we want to make available as like a public resource for anybody who wants to organize a view community where they are. Mm -hmm. Very cool, guys. Very cool. I don't do anything for the community except record this podcast. So you guys are awesome and thank you. <laughs> that is not true. Ari gives talks at conferences too. I gave one talk. You were supposed to talk. give a talk at UConf. Just saying. I was. But <laughs> unforeseen circumstances meant yes. that I couldn't. If we're lucky, maybe we can have Ari Grace view NYC with our presence. Oh yeah, allegedly that is a thing that's happening. <laughs> but you too, Ben. Yes, that's, true. <laughs> that's right. Tuesday, the twenty sixth of May. Yeah, I don't know if this will come out before then. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. So it'll be available someday online, and when it is, maybe we'll remember to tell you on the podcast. <laughs> maybe we won't. <laughs> Please don't hold us to that. <laughs> cool. Well, now that we know Tessa's entire life story, do you think we should wrap up? <laughs> yeah, sounds great. All right. Tessa, even though we did this last week, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> uh, they can find me on Twitter at half test six. Not at gloomy Lemmy. Okay, that's good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled with a U and an I. <laughs> All right. I guess let's move to picks then. Ben, would you like to go first? Yeah, so my first pick for this week is a music pick, All Day and Night by Jax Jones. Uh, which if you're into like EDM vocals, they sort of a new song that I discovered. So enjoy. And then for those who are interested in sort of, I'm going to go off the books. And so Taiwanese dramas, if you like like South Korean and like you don't mind reading subtitles and you're into that, there's a Taiwanese drama called The Perfect Match, which is on Netflix that uh, I've actually really enjoyed. And so if you're ever looking like boost your Chinese or whatever, it's a fun one. Basically, it's about like, to like chefs and like they it's a it's a romantic comedy drama but like one's like a high-end chef and one's like you know works in like the night markets and then like how they meet and sort of like culinary skills and stuff so if you like watching about food it's a fun one too so okay. those are my picks for the week all right tessa you're up i have two picks the first one is if you are bored and you're looking for something to watch lately youtube has been pushing a lot of YouTube news and I'm using Sierra here into my feed where they're talking about like YouTube feuds and stuff between YouTube stars. And 
like logically it makes sense to me that this is an industry and I know it's been there for a while, but it seems like it's been really picking up since the quarantine. And it's interesting from multiple accounts. Like you see a lot of just how people behave. I don't, maybe that's weird that that's interesting to me, but it's interesting to me. And also like there's a lot more information because of that coming out about like copyright law. And for example, if you want to like take some IP that's out there and expand on it with your own content or remix it, there's all these new videos coming out about how to do that in a way that is still respectful of the original creators, but giving you like the legal freedom to create your own stuff based on that. So that's pretty interesting. And then my second pick is a book that Michelle Sinowitz over at View Vixens recommended called How Women Rise by Marshall Goldsmith and Sally Helgeson. And it is, I think, kind of like a cognitive behavioral approach to looking at your career development and habits that may be holding you back. I think it's interesting both from the perspective of just like if you have some habits that you want to change and you're not sure what is a good way to go about that or if you're looking at where you want to go next if you've ever been in a situation where maybe somebody told you you already had to be performing at the next level in order to get to the next level, you don't know how you would perform both at the next level and at your current level in order to get that promotion. And it answers all those kinds of questions. And I think it's, it's also just an interesting look at, again, how people behave, but this time in the corporate context. Very cool. Uh, well, it's my turn, but I'm a rebel this week and I am not doing any picks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Which but means... I have one more. I okay, have one more. all right, I go Ben. <laughs> uh, for anyone who's a fan of The Office, Jim... John Krasinski. John Krasinski, yes. He has um, this YouTube segment called like Some Good News. And so there's an episode recently where they had like a Zoom wedding and they got The Office cast to come back and do like a reunion like bit. And so it's really cute. So if you're an Office fan and want to check that out, it's episode seven. So... We'll include that in the show notes. Okay. Well, since I'm a rebel this week, that is it for this episode. And until next week, enjoy the view. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash view.